Hello, this is Beyond the Bell with WASTA, Wisconsin's hub for professional development for anyone working in out-of-school time programs and youth-serving organizations. It's our mission to help you provide the highest quality care to children and their families. If you wish you had an extra tool going into programming to help guide behaviors in a productive way, wish you knew more about how to provide the whole family with support, or you want to enhance your own well-being, then this is the home for you. We know what it's like to feel like you never have enough time or resources to meet everyone's needs, and we're here to support you through the challenges. Stay tuned as we explore new ideas and strategies that you can use right away. I'm Rachel Sharon, Health Educator with Marshfield Clinic Health System Center for Community Health Advancement and Wisconsin Out-of-School Time Alliance. We're excited you're listening today to our conversation with licensed family therapist Tiffany Kula. Tiffany is a licensed marriage and family therapist who's been working with children and families for over 20 years. She's joining us today to talk to us about having hard conversation with kids regarding their mental health. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. So I was recently talking to a fellow out-of-school time professional who said they were at an appointment with a family member, and the person checking them in calmly and professionally went through a list of very personal questions, including if the person was having like regular bowel movements. But then they got to the required mental health screener questions, and they became embarrassed. They hesitated. They explained away the questions. They downplayed the importance of it. And in this scenario, it's not hard to imagine because despite the prevalence of mental health concerns for youth and adults, we're only just beginning to talk openly about it. But asking someone you're concerned about about their mental health can be awkward at best. So of course, these conversations also sometimes don't go smoothly, but it's helpful to consider where your comfort level lies and what you can do about it to have that tough conversation. So as a therapist, having hard conversations is what you do. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you need to confront or ask someone a tough question? How do you know the conversation is worth having? So yeah, I have these conversations all the time. It's important to address it because, well, first of all, I don't sugarcoat things. I think it's important to kind of talk about these important issues or or symptoms because if we're not talking about it, who is then, right? So I think there's some things that you have to look at, right? For me as a therapist, I look at the treatment goals, right? If I'm challenging them, it's because that's something that we were supposed to be working on. But in regards to just in and out kids or adults that are not in therapy, you have to look at the impact of their well-being. So if it's impacting their well-being, then it's definitely a conversation you have to have. And if you can't have that conversation, then you have to look at who can. So sometimes it could be a, a professional person. It could be a clergy person. It could be somebody that they work closely with, that they really respect. Those are the people that I would have them have that relationship or even bring them in the conversation. Like we just need to really have kind of a heart to heart with this person. Uh, Next, we have to look at the legal considerations, right? Because if it's talking about self-harm or suicide ideation or harm to others, any of that disclosing that information is more intense and is a conversation that needs to be had. Again, if we're not having that conversation, what is going to be the next next step, right? With all these conversations, we got to make sure that the person you're having a conversation is they trust you. If they don't trust you or you don't have much of a relationship, it's really hard. So we have to find people that they do resonate with or that they do have those relationships. So those hard conversations don't come out as judgy or that, you know, you don't can't relate or 
who are you to tell me or ask me any of those questions. So finding somebody that is genuine, that truly is able to have those conversations. These conversations are hard. They are definitely, whether it's about mental health or health issues, or it could be even a kid talking about their relationship with a peer or somebody that they have a relationship with. It's it's hard sometimes to have that. And you have to remember too, sometimes the timing and readiness of that, they might not be able to talk about it in that moment, but letting them know that you are there to be there for them when they are ready to talk about or discuss it. And again, we might feel like it's urgent. Sometimes it's not urgent for them or they don't want to address it in that moment. Again, if you're not talking about self-harm or suicide ideation, some of those conversations can be put to the side for a little bit, but just letting them know that you're there for them. I think that's the biggest thing and that you're worried or concerned or you're noticing things, right? I think you said some really important things, so I kind of almost want to reflect back to Mm -hmm. you for a second. The first thing you said is like, you have to have these conversations because who else is having them? Mm-hmm. And just like we open the conversation, even when you go to a medical professional, sometimes they're not having a conversation. If you right. think about how much contact you even have with those providers, or even if you're regularly seeing a mental health provider, mm-hmm. that's a few moments out of a week or out of a month. Right. And so if we are worried, we need to have those conversations because no one else might be doing that. Yeah. You were also talking about the best way to tell if you're worried is, is it impacting well-being? So Mm -hmm. did something come up one day? Did it impact programming? Maybe. But then coming back the next day, is it still impacting that kid? What's going on with them? Mm -hmm. Are they all of a sudden not showering that day? Mm -hmm. Like what, what's going on? And is it leading to these other things would be a way to cue in and know it's time to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And then that piece about just like, I'm here for you, like opening up the conversation. Because if someone's experiencing concerns on their mental health, it's probably not going to be solved in a conversation. Right. And that's part of why it's hard to have. But just being that person can go a long ways too. Yeah. I think that just being present and letting them know that you're here. I mean, that's that stands out the most, you know, like in the after school program, there was many times kids came in and you just knew that they're struggling and you just knew it wasn't time or place because we're going to gym, you know? And so maybe I'd ask one of the kids to kind of stay back and be like, hey, you know, just notice some things like, if you ever want to talk in here, we can, this is the times that we can set up if that works for you. Or you can come grab me and we have enough staff that they can fill in and we can go to the safe place or into the gym and throw some hoops, whatever you need in that moment. So kind of just giving them those options too as well can be really helpful. So you're not in trouble Mm -hmm. and there's other ways you can go to make sure people are comfortable and you have those conversations too. So what are some other warning signs that somebody might be struggling? So the biggest thing is changes in behavior, especially after school, you work with people all the time and especially you see the kids, you kind of get to know them or even at home, right? You know your children. Looking when there's shift of behavior, withdrawing from social events or activities or avoiding interactions. If they're becoming more aggressive or more irritable than usual, those are things that kind of, you know, indicators. Mood swings like we just talked about, outbursts, anger, sometimes prolonged uh, feelings of hopelessness, really hearing what they're saying. So some of the physical things is your stomach's hurting, constant headaches, fatigue, sleeping a lot or less, sometimes excessively eating or under eating, loss of interest in activities or hobbies that they've done, or even socializing with people. That's another thing they'll be looking at. Declining performance, whether it's academic or miss certain things or doesn't want to hang out. Like every Saturday they go roller skating and all of a sudden they don't want to do that. Withdrawing socially from friends, family, or any of the school events that they've participated in. 
Substance is another thing to start looking at too. With kids, they're starting earlier and earlier. Alcohol, drugs, vaping, other substances is another way of people are using to cope or to deal with certain circumstances they're working with or any other risky behaviors, driving when they don't have a license, sneaking out. Again, back to the self-harm, suicide, ideation, feeling worthless, feeling hopeless again. Probably one of the other ones I would say is hygiene too. Um, Changes in if they're taking care of themselves, neglecting their grooming habits, or even their physical appearance. They've been wearing their same clothes over a week. Yeah, those are things I think are important. Again, these signs just alone are not just saying that this is somebody that's struggling, but it's an indicator that they need some attention and you need to figure out what's really going on. Yeah. So say we get to this point where we've noticed shifts in a kid's well-being. Mm-hmm. We, we have solidified, like we have concerns mm-hmm. for them. Could they get mad or upset? Like, could we actually hurt the situation by mm-hmm. asking or should we still be following through and having that hard conversation? So it's really important to follow through these conversations because, again, if we're not having them, nobody else is because everyone's afraid to have these. I think it's there's some indicators that we should do. So choosing an appropriate time and place. So finding a suitable conversation, not in front of everybody, asking them if they're okay to stay after or, again, they're not in trouble, but we just really want to talk about some things. Finding a space that is private for the conversation, no distractions, no one's going to come in and out to overhear it. And that we're a place where they feel comfortable. Like I said, that young gentleman that I spoke to, he really loved basketball, so the gym was the perfect place for him and there was nobody in there because it wasn't gym time. So he was able just to kind of talk about some of the feelings that he was having without sitting across from me and being like sitting in a chair that which wouldn't serve any purpose for him. Definitely showing empathy and understanding. People have a hard time being upset with somebody if they really can see that they're generally just really concerned about them. And again, saying, I'm really concerned about you and that's why I'm here and I really want to listen. I want to be present with you in regards to anything you got to tell me, I, I will listen, right? Using I statements is really important. I feel that uh, I see a change in you and I'm just wondering what what can we do? What can we help you with? Um, no confrontational language should be used. You know, like you keep doing this. Like if it's a behavior, we see it over again, they're acting out, they're being unruly. Again, those are symptoms that are signs of maybe there's stuff going on somewhere else, right? Or they have so much bottled up, they don't know how else to use that energy. But being really empathetic to them. Back to listening attentively, really listening to them. Again, not imposing your own opinions or thoughts on them, not interrupting them when they're speaking. Sometimes I would talk to a a young person and I would say, hey, you know, so-and-so has been dealing with this. How would you handle this situation? And so it was kind of around a while away of bringing it up. And they didn't really know that I was bringing it to them, but it was an example to to kind of talk about the the situation in a roundabout way. And they picked up afterwards, but it was a very productive um, conversation. And they were like, oh, so you've noticed, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was great. And again, you know, just encouraging if it's something that we see or notice and it's too hard, then maybe it's talking to the parent or talking to the guardian. Like, hey, you guys are noticing these things. Maybe this is a time to talk to somebody else, a guidance counselor, or if you guys notice that at home, maybe that's something you guys can talk about as, as parents. And I think respecting their boundaries too. Again, not everybody can sit at a chair right across from you and, and be like, yes, I'm angry and this is what's going on. Meeting them where they're at and space is a huge thing. So not being in their bubble and respecting what they feel they're comfortable with. Yeah. So, I mean, 
these conversations, although hard or awkward, they don't have to be just straight up. Like, mm-hmm. are you thinking of hurting yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, you can kind of open mm-hmm. things up. You can check in with people. There's different ways to approach the Absolutely. conversation. You can always get other people involved and probably should in most cases so mm-hmm. that you're not alone in this by yourself either. So you, I that, think that's reading the situation too because somebody might feel ganged up. Like there's two you know, staff and then there's a child. But definitely if you have that rapport with them and it's and a safety issue, it's like, hey, just even let them know like, hey, I brought Rachel with me because we're really concerned or, you know, Rachel's here to really help in the situation. Are you okay with her staying, right? And letting them have a little bit of power of that too so then they feel more comfortable. Yeah, and ultimately they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's it's being that support for them, mm-hmm. drawing that out. So you talked a lot about how to kind of like create that safe atmosphere and different ways to approach it. What are some other concrete strategies a person could use to start to have a conversation? Just like, what are those one-liners that they could do to open up that conversation? If they don't know where to start, how do they start it? Really just being present. Watching the verbals and nonverbal cues is huge. And then you could say, I notice, right? I think that's the biggest thing you can start with. Kids are engaged when they know you're engaged. So like our biggest thing with the after school program that I worked in is that we met them at the door. So they they knew like we were excited that they're here and they were excited. And so we were able to show that connection like we're here for you. And so just continuously to be that healthy, supportive, encouraging, showing empathy, being approachable. Another thing too, if you're not approachable and you're sitting at your desk, head down, they're not going to come to you, right? They're going to be like, well, they're too busy or I'm not important enough. I hear that all the time. I'm not important enough to tell so-and-so, so I'm not even going to bother. And it's like, no, they want to hear that. But again, maybe the the verbals that they're getting, non-verbals from the staff, I think encouraging to validate their feelings and emotions. If we're always dismissing or only talking to them when they're being negative or bad or we got to discipline them, then they're not going to see you as a positive, healthy person to come to. They're going to be like, oh, they're just going to yell at me, right? So making sure that you mimic what you want other people to see. So role playing is a huge thing for me. You are, again, a role model for them. So if Johnny has an issue or a problem and you're talking about his business in front of everybody at the after school program, well, he's not going to come up and talk to you. But if he sees that when other kids are struggling or things are going on and you take him to the side, he's going to be like, oh, so if I do come up, then I know that they're going to take this in a more private and more confidential and be more respectful of the situation I'm dealing with. I'm a firm believer lead by example is that kids watch how we interact with them and how we talk to them. I think those are important things to do. So again, you're just not a person that's just coming to work. Many times you are the person that is constant in their life and they build those relationships because they want to. So I think if all else fails, you can always say what you're observing Mm -hmm. and they can correct us because we've built those relationships with them and Mm -hmm. we've established that safety and we can go from there. And kids like it when you like say, I'm observing something or I noticed something. They're like, oh, you're really giving me a a lot of attention. They like that, you know, because sometimes kids, especially teens, they feel unseen, right? Or even children feel unseen. So if you got 60 kids, all of a sudden you bring something up to them. They're like, oh, okay, that's nice that you're noticing, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's a really helpful place to leave people today is mm-hmm. these situations are awkward. That's mm-hmm. why we're calling this one our Hard Conversations podcast. And these things might not be resolved, but that kid is going to know that they were seen and heard that day. Mm-hmm. And so having that conversation. And then even asking them afterwards, like, so what do you think we should do next, right? And many times they will say, I think I need to tell my parents or I, I think I need to get more help or or maybe then they bring it back to you. Like, what do you think, right? Because that's that respect. So then you can bring up those, what's the next steps and what does that look like? So they're part of that too as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tiffany, for joining us today and diving into this topic. Thank you. And thank you for listening in. We hope you leave today with a few more tools in your toolbox. Be sure to visit our website and sign up for our emails where we share information about all of our upcoming professional development opportunities. 